How is everybody? Carrie and Paige, come on up front. Praise the Lord. I feel like we're missing another set of lights. That's it. It's like these counteract these guys. <laughs> Praise God. How's everybody? Okay, good, because you know we're in the season of what? Rest, 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 rest. Well, we had a great real estate um, little class today, and just to motivate you all, right, Carl and Mamie? Right? Just to motivate you all, remember, if we are in the Spirit, okay, if we are in the Spirit, then your rest is painless. If we're not in the Spirit, our rest can feel like pain. Because why? We're trying to hold on to that peace that we're supposed to have in the rest. And we're not experiencing it because we're still working some things out. But praise God, God redeems our time so quickly when we turn and figure out our ways and figure out what he's doing. I say that with such love because I'll be teaching Saturday night. And uh, one of the things I, um, I'm going to be teaching on has to do with the importance of knowing how you know you're on the rest and what you're feeling and how it's important to be connected with true fatherhood. You know what I mean? To the father. You know, our father is a father. Todd! <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm not used to sitting. Todd's always, at the, uh, always in the sound booth. In the beginning, he always sat in the seat. And then after that, it was kind of crazy. But I wanted to remind everybody, and this is really cool. I'm going to give you a short little upbeat thing about what I taught in real estate today to kind of get you all motivated to be in the rest because we have to remember that. If you can put up Exodus 23, verse um, 15, that would be great. And we're just going to, you know, thank the Lord. So let's just pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we love you with our whole heart, our soul, and our mind. Lord, we thank you for the gift that you have given us in the Holy Spirit and sowing in your life so that we could have life, eternal and more abundant life. Lord, we just ask for you to open our hearts and open our ears and aid us in knowing and hearing the word of God and the direction in which the word is supposed to be leading us in our lives. Lord, as we are your sons and daughters, we are being led by the Spirit and not by our own sight, but the sight that is given to us through faith in Jesus Christ. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And we just honor you and glorify you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You know, it's so important that as we um, start with 14, please, as we please go back to 14, as we grow and develop, we have been talking about vision. Okay. And this year we talked about that we are going to teach the importance of movement and how that vision moves. And I want to show you something the Lord gave me the other morning. I'm going to teach it a little bit more in depth on um, uh, Saturday night to tie in with my lesson, but it's so good that I think it's really important for us to all keep an eye on this. God told the Israelites, he set feasts in order. Feasts happened at a certain time, and they were for certain seasons of the life of the Israelites. Now, remember, when we think of vision, vision keeps us moving. Knowing we have a vision to keep on something, like, you know, when you write your goals, you know, like, I'm going to be a straight-A student next year in class, right? That's a vision. Niana looks at her report card already at the end of the year and sees straight A's right across the whole board. And in the comment bar, bar, she sees all these great comments about her. She can already, she should make that her what? Vision. If that is something, she's a smart student. All of the three kids are very good students. Do you know anytime you look at something and say, that's what I want. That's what, that's, that's where I feel like I'm being led for that. And if it's God, guess what's going to happen? When it's time for that final report card to come, what Niana saw in spirit now will become what? Physical evidence that God put that in her heart because it came to pass. If we can be in agreement with the things of God and the right time and be led by the spirit, then what you see comes to you as you're going to it. It actually starts as like a magnet. Vision is like a magnet that brings us together, and then boom. What happens when you get a magnet really close? It's it like, you know, yes. And then what happens when you get two magnets like this? You can't get them what? Apart, because they've become whole. Isn't that awesome? 
Okay, I actually want to cry because it's so cool when we think about how God gave us the awareness of grace to be able to see a vision so that vision can become whole, so something can become restored, something can be established. It's really awesome. We actually have to be strengthened so we can stand fast in that vision until the snap, until the vision and you become what? One. So he works us and grows us to get that. I love it. And so we're going to talk about today, one of the things we are going to talk about after I teach that, after I teach this little thing, I want to motivate you, I'll remind you something. We're going to teach about the power of a divine vision, which is like a magnet. Magnet has a power to bring something to connect. All right? And that's what vision does. But I want to keep us all in line with this. We are in, every year, we've been teaching the movement, which is death, burial. What's the next? Rest. And then resurrection. Do you know that is four parts of the year? Four segments that we have to get through every year. But you know what? There's three pivotal times that things happen in this movement. And so in Exodus 23, it says, Three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. Okay? Now we've been talking about, we have our year broken up in what? Death burial, rest, and resurrection. But there are three points in between that. First, we have the starting, but then there are three pinnacle feasts that happen throughout the year that actually move us and what God is leading us. And so this is going to motivate you because you guys are going to go, oh, you've seen Chris this morning. Lee, this is happening. I said, I know, I know. And it's really cool. Three times you shall keep a feast to me. Who's me? God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were already up in heaven as one then. In the year, go to the next verse. Now we're going to, really quick, this is so quick. You're going to love this. I'm going to do more of it on Saturday. It says, you shall keep the feast on unleavened bread. You shall eat the unleavened bread seven days as I commanded you at the time appointed. Now I think this is awesome. Because in our year, there are certain appointed times for things to shift and change. Death has to be what? Buried, shift, change. Burial has to turn in rest, boom, shift, change. Rest has to take us right into resurrection, shift, change. So it says the first shift is based off the Feast of Unleavened Bread. As commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Abib, which is March to April for it for in it you came out of Egypt none shall appear before me empty all right when you are dying you have to let go of your old self so you can enter into the new thing so the first the unleavened bread that is Passover he tells them every year during March to April you should take seven days. Your body, if you're in Christ, your body already does it. There are seven days. You actually, you're fasting something. You're praying more. You, you start identifying something that's going to change in your life. You know something's happening during this time. Passover is a sacred feast that identifies a time shift. And that is the end of death going into burial. It is a time. Hey, what happens when somebody dies? You know, we mourn, right? We have some days, all right? But in the spirit, he gave us the feast to know that there's a Passover, a time where we give up what we had in Egypt. Egypt means bondage, where we let go of a bondage because we're going to be going on to a promise, all right? And he tells that not none shall appear before me empty. Man, if you give your heart to God, and you allowed that seven-day Passover time to really reflect, come before God. Hey, we're the temple, so where's God? He's in us. The Holy Spirit's in us. I want you to all think about March, September, March going into April. I want everybody to think about what was going on in their lives then. It was awesome. And we're going to have a testimony of this and something on this Saturday night. But I want you to just reflect on that. So the first pinnacle move of when you're transitioning from one to another is the, the, the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread. For, that means you shall give your heart to him for seven days. Next verse. And the feast of harvest. Now comes the feast of harvest. 
which is the first fruits of your labors, which you have sown in the field. Ah, okay. When is the feast of harvest? That's at the end of June. That's at the, that's at the, it's, it's, it's April, May, June. It's the May, it's the June time going into July is that harvest season, right? That's the time of this feast. It says the first fruits of your labor, which you have sown in the field. That is the time when you're getting out of burial and entering into rest. The sign that you are doing that is you are sowing into the field. What are you sowing into the field? You are sowing love, time, or money into somebody. You are sowing something in the field that God has asked you, and it's your first fruits. It's something of you that you sowed. Gary's Gary's a perfect example. During that time, he sowed his what? Car. He sowed his car in that time period. It says when you are going before the year, you have to stand before me how many times? Three times. We move in quarters with three pivotal changes. Gosh, when the Lord gave me this, I was so excited because I started going back all my years. Did I, what did I do during those times? What did I sow? God will ask you to sow into the field. So during, we tend to think harvest is at the end. Uh-uh. The feast of ingathering is at the end. Okay? This is so awesome. The feast of harvest, that is when we are sowing in the field. From what? Your labors, our first fruit labors. That means there are things that we have that mean something to us, but God's going to tell you to do what? Sow it out. Sow it out. Don't hold on to it. I love it. Sheila gave Chris a, a grill. That was a, that was a gorgeous grill. Okay? But she sowed something of value the moment the Holy Spirit told her. We don't even have to think about doing this. We already start what? doing. If Christ is in you, your body's going to yield to these three feasts already. I want you to really think about this. You don't have to plan your seven days. Your seven days can already start just activating itself. All right? In the harvest, you don't have to plan what you give. The Holy Spirit starts showing you what to give. Do you guys get this? Building, building. The third time we are supposed to come upon the Lord, it says, is the feast of the ingathering at the end of the what? Year. We're not, man, I've got this wrong. I have to repent, right? I've been saying, hey, the harvest at the end of the year. No, the harvest is the third quarter. <laughs> the harvest is the third quarter. An ingathering is a pulling in of the harvest. So, but yet, it, the true harvest is when you give out. The true harvest isn't when you're pulling in. It's when you're giving out. Isn't this awesome? Okay, so think about this. The feast of the ingathering at the end of the year, when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field. From the field. Now, isn't that powerful? That is really powerful. Talk about a vision. We know every year there are three times we are supposed to come upon, we are supposed to come and sit with the Lord. Now, we're supposed to sit with him every day. But he said three times a year, you will yield to these, you will yield to these feasts. And you can't miss it. You can't miss it. If you recognize every year we have something to move along with God. And that means he's going to have us seek him and he's going to show us something, something that he's going to redeem in our life. And then he's going to show us how to sow the field, sow the field. And then we are in position for the the ingathering. That means whatever God wants to redeem in our life because we did already change. Isn't that awesome? So everybody has something this fall to get because the word said we'll receive some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. We are all going to receive something. But you know what? I get more excited to even, okay, if I'm supposed to be in my rest and my rest is supposed to be rejoicing in the Lord and just spending time in the Lord, do you know what I mean? Then, boy, that is supposed to be a painless time because I already did my sewing. I already did. We already, I already, I already spent time. God showed me what I'm dying at. I buried it. Isn't that exciting? We should be excited when you think about this because everybody's going to think, oh, yeah, I remember doing this. I remember doing this. It already naturally works in us. So leading into, we've been talking about vision. And Jean asked me to teach about to go on the section in the book. He asked me to teach on the power of a divine vision. 
Do you know what I mean? Talk about power. There is power in those three feasts. Can you imagine that? The Feast of Unleavened Bread, the harvest, and the ingathering. In those feasts, if they yielded to it, there was power. And who gave, who gave the Israelites the vision of those feasts? The Lord did. The Lord gave them to Moses, and they actually were, they lived in these, they, they lived in these feasts. They believed in them. They were important to them. So the feasts are very important. Praise God. All right. So is everybody excited for the fall? I don't, you guys don't seem excited. Everybody has like that. I just finished work today. We're coming into class. All right. Huh? Yeah. The end gathering. You said something that struck me. So you're saying that the end gathering is at the end of the year. Yes. Now, can you go back just a little bit and go back through that? Go back to that verse 23. I think it's um, 16. It says the feast of the ingathering is at the end of the year. When you have gathered in the fruits of your labor from the field. That means that's when you'll be receiving whatever God has promised you for this year. God has promised something to each and everybody, whether it's to make something whole in our soul. But you're saying the end of the year is the third quarter. No, it's the last quarter. Okay. You have four quarters. I, yeah, I get it. I, but I there think are three points it. of shift. Okay. There's really five. Start and finish are the first. But the three times that there are shifts are those three feasts. End of March, end of June, end of September. That's are those three feasts. It is really awesome when you really, when the Lord revealed it to me, Ellen, because I, I was worshiping in here really early on. It was Tuesday, no, maybe Monday morning. And the Lord gave me this. And it was really there. It overtook me. It like washed me. And it overtook me because if we can think about surrendering ourselves to him, it says in, in Isaiah 58 that he will decide a fast. He will decide something for you, when you think of unleavened bread, unleavened bread means it's something that's in us that's not God, that he wants us to start fasting, start spending time with him so he can reveal. So we have to take something away. Like kids, we have to take away what? Facebook. We have to take away computer things. You take that away, you're taking the leaven away. What's affecting their mind with not spending time with God? We, in that time period of Passover, are supposed to be a time of reflection where we're spending time with God to know what is it that he's working on with me, whether it's anger, whether it's fear, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's shame, whatever it is, he gonna, he's going to identify it and he wants to. When people don't understand, sometimes they miss it if we don't understand God's ways. But if Christ is in you and you have accepted Christ in your heart, your body already starts really working that way. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's interesting. Don't you think it's interesting that graduation is always in the end of May and June? graduation is what you know what I mean it's a time where people sew into people why because they're graduating you know and you get what I'm saying like if you look at the times you know we start back at school you know what I mean at certain times we end school at certain times it seems like we can yield and there are things happening that actually cause us to reflect and think of the Lord and think of God you know what I mean Passover is around the same time as what Easter if we can focus on Passover more we, than we can the bunny, do you know what I mean? And the eggs, you know, I mean, I mean come on, who doesn't like the chickies, you know? <laughs> the marshmallow chickies, everybody has put a whole one in their mouth. All right, I'm trying to be funny. But when you think about it, if you take, it, you take this time, it's already inbred. The enemy brings other things to get our minds off of that truth. So we, we miss our time with God. But the one thing I've definitely learned about the Lord is you are never, it's never too late. Never too late to catch up on time, you know. And also, when one year's down, there's a next year. There's always a next year. And so we have to remember that when God gives us a vision of our personal vision, our collective vision, when he gives us a vision He's giving that to us for us something to keep a focus on with him. When he gave us the vision of the ministry, if you are called to that, you have your eye on that. But once you start having your eye on that, you're going to be what? Tested. 
which is what we talk about with the power of a divine vision. So I'm not going to sh- turn the time around so I can see the time. I'm not going to go past seven. What time is it? Okay, keep me. Actually, I can't. It, the glare's too strong. Carl, keep me on this. Tell me when there's 10 minutes left because we're going to get as much as we can get done. There are 11 things that we should keep in mind with the power of a divine vision. The first one is, everybody has their sheet in front of them. It says, it breaks mental strongholds and paradigms. Now, everybody in here I know has prayed to God, worshiped, and seen something in their heart. God has shown you something. I can tell I can tell this about everybody. If you're sitting in a chair here, then God has drawn you to the vision of this ministry. The vision is already put on the wall. It's made plain. It's there. It will tarry. The vision is here. Please put up Genesis 15, 1 through 5. This is awesome. There, if you do not have a vision, if you do not have something God has shown, ask him. We have to start asking if you're not sure your vision. Because remember, the only thing that can hold us back from seeing a vision is unforgiveness, shame, and rejection. We've talked about that. This is a this is a deliverance ministry to help people break the unforgiveness, shame, and rejection. So boom, once something's broken, you can see a vision. But I will tell you, God's going to prepare you through the time just like he did Abraham. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. I love it. Do not be afraid. And that is all through the Bible. When a vision goes forth, the first thing they say, now do not be afraid. Why? Because there's going to be something to be afraid of. Why? Why? What is there to be afraid of? If you told it to me, I shouldn't be afraid. Yes. But like I tell in the soul, the little unbelievers that float around in your soul, the little spots that don't believe, they start shaking. The moment you see a vision, the first thing that happens is the enemy in your soul starts to convince you you're not a part of that vision. Starts to convince you, yeah, you walked in that door, but you're not a part of this. It starts telling you you're not good enough for this. They really don't like you. Blah, blah, blah. It's all on. (laughs) It's all on because and every time God told somebody about a vision, he always then said, and do not be afraid. Because part of the development of that vision is the deliverance of your soul. There's always going to be the unbeliever in the soul, that thought that's going to try to hold on to you so you don't advance with the vision. See, if the enemy can keep the ones who are called to a vision apart, you get it? He and there's no unity, then there's no power. He has to put the vision in our heart so we can become unified in it. He just doesn't say, Hey, there's a vision. Everybody runs, gets it together, and they do it perfect. No, because after he gives a vision, he always tells us what? Do not fear. So when somebody new comes in or we start working with something and we see fear in the eyes, we should say to each other what? Do not fear. Because what, that's what the Holy Spirit's telling you in the Word. Do not fear. So then you have to bank on, I'm going to have something to fear. <laughs> I love counteracting the enemy. If you already know you have something to fear, be be ready to handle it. Do you get what I'm saying? We want to be the good student that says, yeah, I'm going to make it without fear. And then when fear hits you, ah! <laughs> and your strength, com- your strength crumbles, ah! you don't know what to pray. Ah! You know what I'm saying? Praise God, there are some gifts of the Holy Spirit that help us. <laughs> so you have to laugh. Do not fear, Abraham. Abram, I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. That means he says, don't worry about it because you're going to get more of me. Next verse. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of of Damascus. So he says, Because why? God already gave him a vision. What was the vision? He was going to be the father of what? Many nations. Okay. So, but even though God told him the vision, he was starting to get worn down and worn down and worn down and more childless and older and it was all going on. God had to hit him, boom, with like a paradigm. He had to actually start breaking some of these negative thoughts that start to cause him to fear. Next verse. 
Then Abraham said, look, Abram said, look, you have given me no offsprings. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Now, I think this is interesting. He's already doing what? Complaining. He's complaining about his, the vision God gave him because God told him in a word. Well, as God told him what it was and it hadn't come to pass, now he's reminding God, like almost this is impossible. Next verse. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Next verse. Then he brought him outside and he said, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. He had to, God actually had to snap a rubber band on his head and said, boom, think differently. Now go run outside, go run outside, look up in the sky and now see that's all that I have for you. Now, come on, sometimes as a, we can know a vision, but sometimes we can run what? Tired. We can look at the natural and already decide why this isn't working out. Right, Mamie? We can already look at something and decide this, this is just impossible. This can't work. So he's got to snap us. When we start seeking God, he starts to shift our thought and show it to us in another way. How many times has God refreshed you? and seeing something a little bit different one way or another. He gives us a refreshing. I love the t-shirts we got. Full, filled, flooded. Every day to stay in our strength, we have to be full, filled, and flooded with the love of God so that we know that he's not letting us go. It said God intervened and he broke the negative thinking that Abraham was starting to have. It was negative because why? He said, expanding and renewing of the heart and the mind is not an easy thing. You know, even though God can tell us something, he can tell us, Carrie's had visions that he's going to heal all these people on a stage with wheelchairs. He's had the vision. He sees it happen. He is healing people. This is, but you know what? Until that time of maturity arrives for the moment, what happens? You get what? You sometimes get tired. You start saying, did I really see that vision? Did I really have that? Did God really tell me that? Ah, uh, and see, this is the, the important thing. When That's when we start pulling away. We start pulling away. Everybody in here has something that they're believing in and something that they have seen and a promise to obtain. But the more the year stretches on, do you know what I mean? If we can get our mind that our in-gathering is at the end of the year and he gives us little feelings of excitement, do you know what I'm saying? Doesn't that give you the heart of patience? Doesn't that give you a heart of faith that only God can give you? But you can't be, this is what I've noticed with people in church that haven't really got the revelation of the presence. They know the word, they speak the word, and they expect that word to come to pass. But that word doesn't come to pass because it wasn't the thing that God was birthing in their life for that year but it's because what everybody else is saying. I mean, I never heard of this until we built a house for somebody. It was called the name it and claim it. He would, this guy was talking, Hey, Gene, remember I went out that land. We named it and we claimed it and we did this. And then something about didn't feel right, you know? And so I asked Gene about it and he goes, yeah, there was like this time when people were have faith. If you name it, you claim it, it's yours. But if God never showed it to you, then how can you name it and you can claim it? See, and that's what Satan loves to do. He loves to get you to do things that are of truth of God's order, but if it's not from his instruction, then you're missing it. Do you know what I mean? If we seek God like in the first for the seven days, and we seek God every day. I'm not telling you wait one time a year to seek God. I am not telling you that. You are the temple. God's in there. He wants to talk to you every day. But in the beginning of every year, he does start working on you. You know, he really starts working, wants to reveal something that he's doing for the end of your year. I want us all excited about that. We could, we're, we're waiting for it to happen next month where we are to just keep walking out every day. And if we understand, then our paradigm shift can be changed. Because when we fellowship in the rest with the Lord, he's talking to us. 
Abraham was supposed to be in his rest. But you know what? Abraham was like, he's like, come right back outside. Now look at the sky. Now I'm going to tell you this one more time. This is all I have for you. But he saw that when we are tired and we are weary and our strength starts to diminish, man, you know the enemies in that. And that is called, we are in the state of rest, which means we're in the state of opposition. We are, opposition wants to get us off. And what does he want to get us off doing? Seeking God. They want us to be so much in the rest that we're not even, we're not even seeking God, which is a mistake. We still have to seek God in the rest. In fact, that should be our deepest fellowship with God because we know he's going to come through with what he has because in everybody's life, there is an expanding in everybody's life. There is a renewing of your heart and your mind. It says the former example reminds us that everything that expands also experiences a change. Think about the three feasts. Okay. You don't receive the ingathering until you have the change. The change has got to be in place. If you're not changed, remember, I love it. You still get something. Some receive 30, some receive 60, some receive what? A hundredfold. But you don't want to not be changed. See, that? how do you know we're in apostolic ministry? It says, in, it says in Corinthians, Paul says, how do you know that I am an apostolic? Because the authority in me, vested in me, produces change. Okay. Praise God. And you know what? I'm telling you, God wants to give you the most important change first. And that's in your soul. That is in your soul. The most important thing he wants to give you in your life is the redemption of salvation. That's the thing. For he's gonna, the first thing he's going to bless you with is your salvation in Christ. Then he's going to want you to walk out your salvation because then he has, has somebody else that, he, that is going to experience salvation because of you. See, our lives are not for ourselves. They're for the expansion and the changing of minds of another's. Carrie experienced it. Carrie has had the salvation of his soul. He's working out his salvation. God this year blessed him with a taste of his son's salvation. Come on, right? Come on. That is a victory. The in-gathering isn't always just about what we get in things. The important thing to God first is the salvation of souls. We've got to love, be lovers of the soul. And the more every year we receive our next level, we become a greater lover of the next soul. All right? I want you to really put that in, in perspective. The true in-gathering is what he has to bring because when you get redeemed and you become whole, you're able to in-gather a bunch of other souls more every year. Every year I know that the Lord uses me to touch more people. My level of increase keeps increasing. It keeps increasing and it gets more powerful. The people get more difficult. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he brings, I love it. I've been prophesied. I'm sending you the hardest cases. You're meant for the hardest ones. I'm like, I thought that first was a compliment. No, that's work. Because <laughs> I do notice they get a little harder every year, right? But praise God because I want change. I want to be changed. I want to see other people changed. And then when I think about it, then that, it makes me start to cry because that is the only thing that's eternal is the salvation of the souls, the salvation of the souls that we actually increase with the ingathering. And so we have to keep that in our mind. God doesn't want us to stay with this little itty bitty space. He needs to us to expand. He needs our minds to change. He needs us to be in a different posture. Remember, movement is about what? Position, pro posture, and place. First, you got to be in the right place. You got to know your posture. Then you can actually possess the souls that God has in the right position and the right timing of God. And so it's so important. I love it when it says this. This, when there's experience of change and there's an expansion, this inevitably triggers what? Pain. Okay. When it's something old and something new has to go. Okay. Think about it. Come on. You can cut yourself and have the most awesome looking scab. Right. And it's trying to heal itself. Right. It's trying to renew itself. And what do you keep doing? How many times have you picked around the scab and then take the center off? Right. I mean, come on. 
That's when I was little. I was bored on my knee. Take it all the way. Oh, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. How many of us put a bandaid on? And then you rip it off, right? That's what? Pain in the healing. <laughs> I'm being cute. I have to be funny about stuff like that because when I see this stuff, it triggers these type of memories. Inevitably, when there is expansion from the inside out, Christ being birthed in you, the old has to move out and it can be painful if it hasn't been let go and if it hasn't been dealt with. If we are truly in our rest, we're not feeling pain right now. That's spiritual. But if you still are in the rest period and feeling what? pain, then there's something not finished being dealt with. Just let God deal with it because we don't want to hold on it and miss the ingathering of the season. It says this inevitably triggers pain. Some people prefer to stay within their status quo to avoid pain associated with expanding and stretching. Hey, how many girls in here used to be able to do a split when they were little? Yeah, right here. I can do a split. I go right down, stretch, and all that. Okay. Don't ask me to do it now, right? That would hurt, right? Just thinking about it, it's like that would hurt, right? Okay, because now, but if I were to do it every day, if I were to stretch every day, I would start getting what? Loosened up. I could get myself back into doing a split. It's not impossible because of age. It's impossible because of movement, lack of movement. And when we decide, I'm comfortable, I don't need to do that, and we stay at the same level of where we're at, we actually build a threshold of the pain we're really living in instead of letting it go. Every year we don't grow in the movement of Christ in from the inside out. Boy, you're going to get me on a roll on that. From the inside out. I don't need anybody in here induced in pregnancy. I do not need induction in this room. I need it from the inside, natural birth movements. The Lord showed me the body of Christ can be induced. But then what happens when you can be induced and you can have this chart of great rhythm and you think you're going to birth a baby. And guess what happens when induction from the outside in happens? Boom, labor stops, drops dead. It drops dead because it really wasn't being induced. It really wasn't being moved from the inside out. Man, I got such a a picture on this. The Lord showed me that you can be in a place where there's a great presence of God and you can move in spirit. But if you walk out that door and you don't stay in the presence of God, Because you really, it was being pulled from the inside groaning, the inside growth. It's just a matter of time before whatever that skill is, is just going to what? Die. When things are induced from the outside in because of entertainment, they can lift up something, but it won't last. It's not eternal. God never planned for us to be induced. Everybody in here is pregnant. Why? Because we're not at the end season yet. Everybody has something to birth this year in their life. Everybody has something to birth for themselves personally, for collectively in the, in the, for for your family and for your collective move. So everybody in here is birthing some kids. Okay. You are birthing something, but we don't want anybody induced into false labor. We don't want to add anything. It's got to be you and God. And when that change happens, you actually birth what was of God, not of man. Satan can know exactly what you're going to get this season and bring you the lie before you were ever to move. Man, it's so important to stay every day and know that, gosh, God really did create times and seasons. He created times and He created pivotal feasts to shift us, to keep us knowing Him. Man, talk about knowing him. Sometimes we think we just can't wait 30 days for something. And every season he asks us to wait. Every feast he asks us to wait three months. (laughs) If we can get through it, he's doing something. He's filtering something. A vision, which is really awesome. Remember, it's okay to have pain, but you got to let it go. You got to grow out of that level and reach for another measure of greatness. What greatness are you going for? The greatness of Christ being transformed in you. And your character being changed by Jesus in your soul. Number two, a vision molds our future. 
and that of our descendants. It becomes a priority in our life. Do you know that awesome? When you hold on to a vision, it starts affecting your family. Look at Carrie. He held on to the vision. Christian just, I mean, Christian, Christian was not induced by any means. <laughs> Christian truly came, that, Christian was birthed. And it was, now let me tell you something. Christian is such a blessing because that had to do with Carrie's field. That had to do with the field that Carrie's been sowing in. That is a blessing. He's already received a measure of his ingathering. And it's through Christian because the world, the word says, if you are on the vision, that means your descendants. So everybody in here, think about it. There is a family member in everybody's family. That is a part of your ingathering that's going to experience salvation. Hey, Tori and Chris, new parents. Where is Keyshawn? Is he running around here? Right. He just got a blessing. Tori, Keyshawn's part of the family. Tori, I love it. Tori and Chris get married. They have two kids, Mimi and Keyshawn now. I like it. The Lord is sending. There was an assignment on Keyshawn, but to be with Tori and Chris for his life of development. Not in another place. I love it. Sheila's got her daughter and son-in-law coming down. See why? Some reason, that's her descendant for this season, is her daughter. I was watching her during Soul Shifters, and I felt like crying. I don't know why, but I was. I kind of just walked by. I was talking to Rachel last night about it. But I thought, oh, that's part of Sheila's in-gathering plan is her daughter. So I want you to all think about it. You all know who's in your life. You know what it is. God picks something personal for you to receive, something for your family, and something for the global picture. Aren't we blessed? Three, a vision molds every aspect of your life. It says right here in Romans chapter 4, 17. It says, it is written, it is written. Romans 4, 17. It says, it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Man, if God already promised our descendants to be whole and saved and full of his salvation, then guess what? It's going to happen. You do not. It, we just have to believe it, speak it, never doubt it. And in our weakest moment, Charlena, we just have to what? Believe. We, we have to call those things which do not exist as though they did. So Charlie Brown is sitting in that chair right now, chair right now, and I'm talking to him. Get it? Charlie Brown's in the building. Is Charlie Brown in the building right now? Really? Charlie Brown. <laughs> Physically, we don't see him. But spiritually, he's here. So Charlie Brown's in the building. You know what I mean? We're calling those things as though they are not. Because why? He's already family. It's already done. David's already here. You know what I mean? It's so awesome when we get this. And then God cannot weary our what? Soul in what? Disbelief. Why? Because he gave us a vision. He gave us a vision about our descendants. He didn't tell us to give up on them. He didn't tell us to question it. He didn't tell us to deny it. He gave us a scripture. He gave us Romans 4, 17. It is what? Written. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom, whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Isn't that awesome? Come on, I'm excited. I'm getting really excited because, you know what? There's still a lot of people in my family that's not there yet, and I want them there. I want them to be where they're supposed to be. All right, number four, a vision. What's the time check? I see 640. A vision produces the initiative. Now, I like this. We need to be triumphant in life. A vision originates from a plan of God. It springs us into life. And it ignites us in the desire to take action. Now, this is what I'm excited about. That's what's going to happen. The rest in the rest to the resurrection. The resurrection is now time. It's faith in what? Action. There is a faith in action that transitions in rest into resurrection. We're coming into it. We are coming into faith in action. We have to be prepared. We cannot be tormented in our rest. We've got to be settled in the rest. Hold on to the vision. Hold on to that vision. I love it. God even gives us little victories, even when we're feeling defeated. 
because he wants us to focus on that vision. He wants you to be, have an initiative to move when he tells you to move, not an initiative to move when you've decided how you're going to do it. See, God has made it where we have to depend on him at all times. Man, I'm serious. I could, when I look into people's eyes, you can tell everybody who gets it because we cannot figure out the ways of God. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We have to come and grow into that one. Amos 3.3 3 says, can two walk together unless they agree? Come on. We actually have to build an agreement, which is so important. Number five, a vision not only initiates, but a vision both generates and draws the right people. The kind of people we attract is directly linked to the kind of vision we have. Now, come on. As we've experienced King Jesus Ministries, they carry a vision like our vision. So what happens? In time, it was what? Brought together, okay? And in that vision coming together, as two things generate and are drawn together like magnets, what happens? They're going to experience increase from us. You may think we're small, but we are powerful. We may be a small ministry, but we have, they have something for us. We have something for them. And look what they've already done for our house. Christian! <laughs> I love it. It just makes me happy because the right people get attracted to the right time and for the right move of things. You don't even have to doubt if somebody's going to come up to the plate and do whatever God has for you. Somebody is going to come to the plate and do what you're supposed to have. You just can't think about it, question it. You just have to believe. It says a vision will motivate you and give your life meaning. Human beings need something greater than themselves. Now I'm going to ask you a trick question. We all need something greater than ourselves. What is that vision? What is that greatness that you need greater than yourself? Christ. When we look at that vision and we see the little, the Christ growing, increasing, going from glory to glory. To keep surviving, we can't stop. We already started. We've already started. So when we stop growing for that greatness of him in us, you, you're just miserable. You can't. God, Christ said he bought us with a price. And when we accept it in our heart, now he has a job he has to complete. What he starts, he's going to finish. That's his vision. He is a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation to God. Reconciliation to man. Reconciliation to the plan. And then reconciliation to the promise. Every vision is going to come in that order. You're going to have those reconciliations. And what does it do? It initiates you. It generates you. It motivates you from the inside out. It motivates you from the inside out. It says, seven, a vision brings out the power of agreement and unity. Now, this is what I love. Everybody in here knows they're called to this ministry. I don't see anybody in here who's not called to this ministry. When we look at that, when we look at that vision, and when that vision was first drawn, I didn't see that vision. I didn't see that building. I didn't see anything. And Gene was having that vision drawn. And so one morning I was worshiping, and as I was worshiping, I said, God, show me something. Show me something about this place. Some, show me something about kingdom life. I mean, we were so new then, you know, and it was awesome. I had a dream, and it was that building, but with not, none of the orange things. I didn't have the orange. It was just the lines and the center, and there was water falling down, and then all of a sudden, bursts of lights came up. Bursts of lights came out of it. And then when the burst of lights came out, now what did I do? I actually became in belief. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I believe that building is going to be built because I saw it in the spirit. Before I ever met Jean, I saw these two visions already. I already had seen these about two years ago before I met Jean in a dream. Isn't that amazing? So when I met Jean and I saw the, these weren't even on these charts. They were on little charts. And when I saw them, it was like, I know those, but I don't know those. <laughs> I know them, but I don't know them. But what did God do? He gave me something from the inside out. Nobody told it to me. So when I saw it, it was to what? Encourage me to what? Move. Encourage me to initiate. Encourage me to be generated by the Spirit to keep walking towards whatever I was called to do. 
even though it seemed impossible what God was asking me to do during that time. Do you get what I'm saying? Everybody in here has something that they've seen, and when they know it, now you just got to keep it in your what? Heart. He reveals it. He reveals it. You can't, you can't make it happen. He has to do it. That's why he makes us dependent on him. All right. Number eight, a vision produces, oh, this is awesome. Oh, let me finish this on seven. A vision brings out the power of agreement and unity. A vision has a power to unite families, cities, races, and nations. It may be impossible to come into agreement on doctrine or methods. Nonetheless, hey, that's our politics, (laughs) right? Nonetheless, a divine vision has a power to bring harmony and unity. If people are willing to allow themselves to tarry and grow with the vision, then it's going to do what it's out to do, and it's going to bring reconciliation in Christ through harmony and unity. Number eight, a vision produces a power of multiplication. Now, in time, as the Lord processes one, one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes eight. We've all learned it. It is a multiplication. The moment Jesus died in the earth, what started? Multiplication. And he had to wait in his rest, his transition, for 30 days. I mean, 40 days. So when he waited the 40 days and he was resurrected up, I'm telling you, and he brought the Holy Spirit to the 12 disciples and to the 120 people, what kept happening? Multiplication, multiplication. Remember, Jesus didn't feed the 5,000. Who did? The disciples. But the more he would break the bread and break the fish, he, multiplication started. So no matter what, if the vision is of God, it will multiply. It will multiply. It, it has to because Jesus called us to bring the ingathering of souls. He, he, he developed us each. We each have a count in us. Do you know that? We each have a count of souls we've got to hit. When we've done our job, we go to heaven. I like that. I want to get mine done before I'm... No. <laughs> I always say, am I done yet? (laughs) Can I go? But it says, when a community of people agree on a single vision, the wheels start turning and growth is instantly. When something is truly God, you can't stop its growth. You can't stop it. You don't, in fact, in fact, if you're going to fight against God, what's the word say? If you're going to fight against, be less fine to what? Fight against him. You can't fight against God. Do you know what I mean? You can't be even found fighting against God because the moment you start thinking you're fighting God, it will just what? It will die. But if it's something of Satan, Satan can multiply too. Don't think he's not into the multiplication. He's into multiplication with a day of death. So whatever you, how many times have we built something just to be torn down? We're working it. We're building it. We're building it. Boom, it's down. Well, if it's down, whatever measure's down, is it down the measure that wasn't God? But he loves that. Because we're his children. He wants to keep pruning us so he can get more out of us. And he needs us to be dependent on him to do that. All right, nine. A vision, okay, like Kingdom Life Ministries, sustains us during hard times. Isn't it great to know that you belong to a family of people that all are believing for the same goodness and wholeness of another person? The goodness and wholeness of the city of Savannah the goodness and wholeness for the reconciliation in Christ and everybody. It's awesome. I'll never forget the day that um, Todd, myself, Wendy, and Eddie Joe were downtown. And we actually, I love this. I was with an evangelist, a prophet, a teacher. I don't know what Wendy was. I'll call her the pastor in the group. But we really almost had a five-fold ministry out there. And we're going into the candy shop. And Eddie Joe points. He's the evangelist. He points. Hey, those people are trying to save those people, and they're, they're not saying nice things to them. And he just, he didn't even talk to us. He just walks over, Eddie Joe, right? So Todd follows him. Me and Wendy follow him. But what they were doing is they had these little cards, and they were trying to tell people that there were only 144,000 that will be saved to go to heaven, and they were searching for the 144,000. And so they were yelling at people. They were selling they were, they were condemning drunk people. It was so, like, it hurt Eddie Joe. Because Eddie Joe really has an evangelist's heart. He couldn't take it. Todd was just watching in, like, amazement. And they started watching us. They started watching us. And a guy came up to me. And I started showing him scripture. 
And my last question was, well, at this when I realized, do you really believe that only 144 souls are going to be saved? And a thousand souls? He goes, yeah. I said, then why do you stand out on this street corner? Like for me, the odds of finding the 144 would be so depressing <laughs> that I wouldn't even want to hang out on the corner and try to find them, right? How many people on this earth? More than billions, right? Okay, come on. And there's only 144. Okay, I couldn't even get it. So, right, well, I showed verses in Peter, verses in Romans. I remember the verses I went to trying to show him that God wants all men to be saved. So if he wants us all, that means there's the potential of all to be saved. Whether they choose it or not, that's up to them. So, and it says, when I give you authority, you know, because why? The power is the, the power is Christ in us. And the power has got to grow. It's got to be a power pack. And that power pack has to be ready to speak with authority. What is the authority? We talked about this a couple sessions ago. Authority is the power of the edification that God gives you to bring another person in. Man, think about that. When our authority is the ability to edify a soul who's dead and bring those bones right back to life and be able to, it's like we can breathe the life of God right into somebody and you can watch it and they start building and building and building and building and you actually see them start walking and running and what they're called to do and you can get them from nothing, from a dead soul to full of life. I mean, and that's a vision. Come on, that's a daily vision for all of us to walk by. There isn't a person that you can't meet during the day that you can just breath. There's a measure of authority in each and every one of us, okay? And that's from our experience, from our growth, wherever we are in this chart. But that authority, when spoken, has 100% God on it when it's time. And so we have to remember that. We have to know what we're doing in him and where we're growing him and holding on to that vision. All right, so... As we go on, a vision, that's how vision sustains us. Remind ourselves of the vision. Man, when I start thinking more that our vision's for people and not for myself, when I have that, that is awesome. Because it makes me want to, I think about everybody I sit in a meeting now with, I start looking at them, right? And you want to wait for that right time. You want to wait because there is no wasted time with people. And if God goes, no, you're going to see him later. Don't do it now. Don't say something now. God will lead you into that. Have you ever had that time where you met somebody and you knew you should say something and you didn't say it and you never saw that person again and you knew it? Yeah, that's experience. We go through that experience, but God wants us to hit it every time. He says, if you lean and trust on me, the words are going to belly out. They're going to they're gonna come out like living water and it's going to hit the person. And then they don't know what they were even listening to. They didn't know what they were even thinking at that moment. They totally forget. That type of vision to me, that sustains me. That sustains me during what? Hard times when I want to do my little own self-pity party. I'm not getting what I want. Is this what life is all about? Come on, we've all been there. We've all laid in bed and thought, is this what, is this, okay, is this it? Right, what's going to happen next? Am I even excited? Where am I, right? But then you start thinking on the things of God and you start thinking on those things and you start then getting excited. You know what I mean? And then a month later, you might go on the same thinking. Okay, what am I doing? Okay, am I happy? Do you know what I mean? Do you see how the enemy works us? Because we're physical human being. And I say that because I know I go through that. I still have days where I lay in my bed and I'm thinking, okay, you know what I mean? And I and you feel that little pity party wanting to turn. But the moment you get up and worship, it does, it kills it. That's exactly what happens. I can get up and I'm worshiping one song. And I'm like, I was even thinking that 10 minutes ago. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it really does lift off the enemy. We not only not to be prayer warriors, but we are to be worshipers. And when we start with the song of our spirit, prayer is so much easier. Rachel said to me last night, Rachel loves her houses of Zion. She loves it. She loves, she goes to Sheila's. I had Sheila, Rachel and Christina running in the house last night. And Sheila, Christina's like this. (gasps) Oh! Miss Lee, Miss Lee, Miss Lee, I, I felt God tonight. And I was like, you did, Christine. I was so excited for her. And she goes, yes, when Miss Sheila prays, you can feel it. I was feeling it. I was like, I was, I, she goes, she started praying. And I started thinking, when is she going to finish? Well, that's her, that's her soul. But she stayed in prayer so much, praying for everybody. Something shifted in Christina. And she started feeling it. Do you know what I mean? And then she couldn't believe all that time went by in prayer. 
Do you know what I mean? She entered out of time and she got into God's movement. I had her and Rachel laying on my bed last night just talking to me about your prayer, Sheila. I mean, they were about the prayer. It was so awesome. And um, But isn't that awesome that they, you can touch a life? And Christina's not an easy case, meaning like she's got a lot of growth. She's a great girl. she got a lot of growth coming, and she knows it. But something in her keeps putting her at the right place at the right time to keep getting that taste, to keep her wanting that. She said, one day, do you think I'll pray like that? I said, yes, Christina, I do. I said, yes, you will do that. I want to keep her vision focusing on, if she sees it in Sheila and wants it, I want to keep her not focused on Sheila, but the Christ in Sheila that gives her the power to keep praying, gives her the vision to keep her houses of Zion open, to keep her going. Do you know what I'm saying? We can't be defeated. The enemy wants us to think nobody's going to show up. The enemy wants us to think, oh, the vision's going to fail. The enemy wants us to think, I didn't see that. But boy, when he gives you that taste, when you touch a soul, there's nothing more satisfying than touching a soul with the word of God and touching them with the truth about their plan that God has for them. It really, truly makes, I love this, a vision sustains us during hard times. The divine vision must be tried. Gosh, how many times do we feel tired when it's being tried? When we start something new and God's looking for our faithfulness. Tried for what? Authenticity. Man, when Christina and Rachel ran in last night, I mean, Rachel may not be getting it in here, you know what I mean? But she's running to Houses of Zion, meaning saying, she comes in here for work every day. This is just a common, this has become commonplace for Rachel. She's, she's been here since she was 13. Hey, but going to Sheila's house and experiencing what's at Sheila's house, Rachel gets excited. She can come back and teach what Sheila's taught because whatever's in Sheila is touching her spirit in her and it's activating it. Faithfulness to the vision is a mark of its what? Legitimacy. Man, the way we keep up with sonship, the way we keep Saturday nights, the way we keep everything going, it doesn't make a difference if only what? One soul shows up. But that means it's legit. And I'm going to tell you, there is never, it's very rare there is a time somebody doesn't show up. We, it was always funny when you knew Kendrick got 40 hours instead of 20 hours. We actually had a, a, a soul shifters. Not one person showed up. It was just me and Carl at the sound booth, and Drew came in to meet somebody. We're like, hey, where's Kendrick? <laughs> Kendrick was that one person, but it was cute. Kendrick got full hours. If the vision is from God, when obstacles arrive, it will have the power to sustain us and remain standing after the storm. You know, we, we make up our storms. You know that. We can think if somebody doesn't show up, that's a storm. We can, we can think that something doesn't, we didn't get this in time. That's a storm. And it's not. It's God keeping us in his time. If we can keep that in mind, that I, the one thing I expect, in, I expect from God, but I do not expect in the time of man, but I expect from God. When we start expecting in the time of man, we'll be very disappointed. Hey, come on. How many people have worked for a job? And you just know, if, hey, if I work there 90 days, I'll get an increase in my raise. Or if I work here for one year, it's guaranteed I'm going to get a raise. And you work the time and you don't get the raise. Anybody ever have that happen? But you expected from, man, man, if you pray to God every day, am I going to get the raise? Am I going to get the raise? When it, if I get it, God is going to sustain you so that you can hold on to what he shows and not what you, what the world tells you your receiving schedule is. Our receiving schedule comes in the seasons. And I love that. And it's really set in the times and the seasons and the feasts. And there's some really cool stuff. But anyway, we're going to finish this next Thursday. Jean will probably finish up with the other list of what makes a vision. and um, Or what makes a division, what makes a vision powerful? What is it? Oh, the power of a divine vision. I want you to think about everything we talked about today really focuses on the power to keep us going in Christ. If we're in Christ and Christ is in you, you're going to make it. That's one thing you first have to believe. He already says, I'm going to finish it. If we can start realizing that, and he does not not take care of his children. Now, come on. If you can't even believe that he can take care of a need, how do you expect to receive a want? How do you expect to receive a desire if you don't even think he takes care of the need? I'm going to tell you, when he starts seeing you don't get the need part, that he takes care of it, you can't get the want. When he knows you are sustained in your needs, and, and how does he know? 
You don't even worry about the desires of your heart anymore. You're more worried about the desires of other souls. And I'm going to tell you, watch. I'm in a perfect example. The way he has blessed me is because I really know he takes care of my needs. He takes care of my, he has never not come through on anything he showed me he was going to do. And I don't worry about anything every month. I just worry about getting up, worshiping God and being happy. He's placed me in a destiny with a vision and a place to grow with other people of equal caliber in the Lord with awesome visions and awesome places to be with God. So we just honor him. Does that, is it, what's today good? Okay. So we just thank God. Read that thing on the feast. I'm going to be teaching a little bit more about that on Saturday night. And I just thought it was really cool because you know what it did for me? It made me go back the last couple of years and say, Ooh, what was I doing then? What was I doing then? And honestly, I have a testimony. I could almost pick every year that, and that was in, that was in motion every year. And the things I sowed into the field is really funny what I received at the end, at the end gathering. You can't, it's, it's, it's so, I, I'm giggling because I want everybody to think about their past couple of years and think about those times, March to April, June to July, and September to October. I really want you to think in your life what's happened during those times. But we just honor him, so let's just pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you and honor you. And we thank you for your word on vision today. Lord, the word says that we are to tarry with the vision that you have put in our heart. You have asked us to write it out. You have asked us to put it plainly so it can be seen. So, Lord, I ask for all the hearts and for those here today that know the vision to make it plain, write it out, draw it out, and believe that you are going to be the provider for all their needs and meet the desires of their heart. Lord, I thank you for giving us you to depend on because Lord, none of us wants to be alone in this world and we are not alone because Christ in us keeps growing. And Lord, we just thank you for the increase from going from glory to glory from the inside out. Lord, give us the heart, give us the patience to stay in you because if we're in you and the word is in us that we shall ask and receive what you have for us, Lord. So I look forward to the next season of ingathering and for seeing the fruits coming in from the field. Lord, I thank you for each and every person here who loves God with all their heart, their soul, and their mind. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.